This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's kind of interesting in the moment, taking one game at a time. Um, you know, it's obviously a big game. I know the dads are here and stuff, but we actually have to focus on, you know, these two big games against two tough teams. You know, Arizona's playing a really good hockey right now, and so is Vegas. So um, we got to prepare ourselves for a big couple games for sure. A one-game homestand in the books for the Calgary Flames. It was a big 6-30 win over the Ottawa Senators. But as you heard from Mackenzie Weger, their focus now shifts to a two-game road trip out of the frigid temperatures of Calgary and into two key games against the Arizona Coyotes Thursday night and the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday. Welcome in to another edition of Sportsnet. Today is Logan Gordon along with you. And before we go anywhere, if you heard the intro, big voice guy letting you know some exciting news here at Sportsnet 960 for Sportsnet today. Very, very excited to have this gentleman along for the ride on Thursdays and Fridays going forward in the co-host chair. You know him from his uh, great work on The Athletic covering the Calgary Flames, multiple great podcasts that he's a part of, uh, and now very happy to say that he'll be joining us on the program a few days a week as well. I want to welcome officially Julian McKenzie to the program this afternoon. J-Mac, glad to have you along for the ride, pal. What it do, baby? I'm really excited to do this with you, man. I'm really hyped. I'm pumped up, and and I'm just excited. Uh, thanks, thanks for letting me hang out with you guys, dude. This is any, awesome. Anytime. We are so excited to have you along for the ride. Uh, we're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios on this frigid Thursday in Calgary. Uh, for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. we got a busy program for you on the show today. Of course, we'll get you set for the Flames and the Arizona Coyotes. You'll be live right here on Sportsnet 960. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson will have the call. First of a two-game road trip for the Calgary Flames. It's a 7 p.m. puck drop. That means Pat Steinberg's got your Flames warm-up at 6 o'clock before Flames Hockey at 7 with Derek and Megan. So we'll get you set for that matchup. Our Thursday regular, Adnan Virk's going to join us. We'll take a look at Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Starts on Saturday with a couple games and goes all the way until Monday Night Football. So we'll get Adnan's thoughts out of a busy weekend. We'll also take a look at the opposition tonight. It's the Arizona Coyotes who are right there with the Calgary Flames in terms of a playoff race in the Western Conference. Remy Masti is going to join us, the managing editor for the Arizona Coyotes, and uh, we'll get a view from them. They've got some exciting young prospects, still trying to figure out where their next permanent home is going to be. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get into all of that and more as the program rolls on. The fan feedback line is open to you at 960-960. Shoot us a text. We'd love to hear from you on this Thursday. Our outstanding producers are Cam and Shan. But first things first, uh, Julian, uh, in your time in Montreal and in other stops along your life, have you ever experienced a cold quite like this? Did they tell you Calgary would get like this in the winter? Uh, here's the funny thing. Around Christmas break, I, I, I saw I went home back to Montreal and it was cold out there. And I had noticed uh, from seeing some of my friends out here in Calgary that uh, the weather was quite nice, like 10 degrees. <laughs> and I was telling friends back in Montreal, 
guys, it's colder out east than it is out west. Like the wind doesn't hit you as hard. Yeah, you get a little cold snap every now and again, January, February, but it's really not that bad. Seeing that the wind chill is going to be at almost minus 50 today, that's Mother Nature telling me like, hey, slow your roll about Calgary weather. It is still bad out here. I, I, I would normally be in the studio with you today, and I promise it's not because of uh, the cold why I'm back in my, my apartment. Uh, I busted up my ankle playing ball hockey yesterday, but best you believe for an exciting day like today, I would be in the studio with you today. But seeing that it is very cold, I have to admit I'm not that upset. <laughs> yeah, I, I have thinking, to admit I'm not that upset. I was, I'm okay. I was thinking when I got the phone call, you're like, hey, man, my car's not starting. There's no chance I'm getting to the studio. It's, I got nothing going on the battery. I would have been like, hey, I get you, man. It's one of those days in Calgary. I don't blame you. But then you threw in the you your busted up ankle and you're hobbling around your spot today. I was like, you know what? We're going to have lots of time in the studio together. I don't blame you for sticking it at home today. Logo. Logo. I literally like I tried to get out of bed today and I just felt immeasurable pain. Even yesterday when it what basically what happened was I was playing ball hockey uh, in the same league that uh, George Russick, who you guys know on the morning show, uh, were both in. George couldn't make the game because I think he's uh, he was flying in from home. He's been away the last few days, so he couldn't make the game. But I got there. I'm playing pretty well, I thought. And I try to cut to the net and I get tripped up by a defenseman. I fall. I land on my ankle. And I just, I'm in so much pain. I hobble off the floor. I'm on the bench. Like, I don't feel pain right away. Then the adrenaline wears off. Yeah. And they're giving me crutches. Like, the guys <laughs> oh, on the other team geez. are looking at me being all like, man, what happened? It was just <laughs> insane. I had to, like, hobble up these steps to my apartment. It has been crazy. So to get to a point today where I can barely walk, today is, like, the worst day. Considering this, I really wanted to go to the Wranglers game tonight. That's very much in doubt. Today is, like, the worst possible day for me to have a busted up ankle. So if you hear me be very irritated and annoyed throughout the next two hours, that is exactly why. Oh, buddy, I feel for you. Uh, that's never a fun one, especially when it's the morning after, right? You're like, okay, maybe it's not so bad. It got a little dinged up, uh, but I'll be okay. I'm going to sleep this one off. And in the morning, it's even worse than it was the night before. And you're right. Your whole oh my day God. is just gone. At least the flames are on the road. At least we don't have to find a way to to drag you to the Scotiabank saddle dome for, for the Flames game oh tonight. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, and, and I'm sure we could get into this, too. I mean, yes, the Flames are going to be playing against Arizona. But I was really looking forward. And, hey, maybe I pushed through it, but probably not. But I was really looking forward to go into this Wranglers game tonight. Uh, and, and why? It's because it looks as if Oliver Shillington may finally step onto the ice and play. I've only been in Calgary for like a year and a bit. I have never seen Oliver Shillington play, but talking to colleagues here and describe and hearing them describe what he's like as a player, uh, a guy you can plug into the middle of your defense core, a smooth skating player uh, that honestly considering, remember how this team started this year where they looked really slow? A guy like Shillington would have been very much needed uh, for that team. And obviously just a lot of personal reasons are, are, are playing into why he's not with this team right now. And it has been so interesting to just kind of lay, just wait and see what could be coming next. I'm used to other markets where if someone is going through what he's going through, someone somewhere is trying to write some negative column 
uh, about, you know, hey, sure. what's he actually doing? They're looking at his Instagram photos of yeah. him enjoying his summer, and they're saying, well, why is he doing all of this? But I'm just amazed at how people in this market, at least on the media side, and, and, to, and a lot of fans too, they've been very patient, and I find they've been very uh, open and, and just accommodating as much as they can to the fact that mental health has played a reason into why he's not he hasn't been available to the team as long as he has. So to see him play, even in a Wranglers uniform, I was really intrigued to see how fans would take it and how uh, also the team do, right? Uh, Craig Conroy, the other day, we were looking at him as he was get as Shillington was getting a skate in with uh, just a couple of days ago. And Conroy, like he should have been on the road, but he's there. Like he's watching Shillington practice and he's just, he was really happy for him. He was really overjoyed that he was there. Like this is a, like I root for stories and not necessarily teams, but this is a story I think a lot of people in the organization are rooting for. This is a story that I think a lot of Flames fans are rooting for. And I can't wait to see how this plays out, even if this is on the AHL ice. And eventually when he is good and ready, when he gets to play at the NHL level again, Mm -hmm. I'm really curious to see how fans take it. And you know what? It is such a, a fun story, and I would add to this, just being in Calgary a little bit longer than you have, Julian, and the reason I think it resonates with so many people is when Oliver had that breakout season in 2021-2022 where he played 73 games, uh, put up 31 points, was playing on a pairing with Chris Tanev, no one saw that year coming. It's very similar to the Adam Ruzicka story that we've talked about where he's been in and out of the lineup, shown some flashes, but kind of had to keep going up and down uh, between the American hockey league and uh, the NHL. And you were really wondering that season. Okay. If this doesn't happen for Oliver Shillington, maybe it never happens in Calgary. And he had an outstanding training camp and you just saw a guy that, found this confidence in his game and found this great ability to skate with the puck and be an offensive distributor. And we talked so much about how Chris Tanev is, is just such an easy guy to play with. And he's the perfect guy to pair with a young, you know, puck moving defenseman. And everybody was feeling so great about Oliver after that season. And then the news, you know, started to come out that he, wasn't going to be with the team and it became a longer and longer thing. But I think knowing that he was a, a, a drafted member of this organization was a young man who kept fighting for his spot in the NHL and finally had that breakthrough. I think people are, are just naturally, first of all, I think he's an awesome guy. He's, he's so much fun to be around. He's got that infectious smile to him whenever you see him uh, out on the ice. And I think he became a fan favorite very quickly. And I think all of that just added to, you know, I think generally people cheer for good stories and people want to see other people succeed and, and get over whatever demons or whatever things are happening in their life. But I think the story of Oliver Shillington being this homegrown prospect and finally breaking through to the NHL level and then having, you know, this, you know, having life jump in the way of, uh, of that and now fighting back to that, it's hard not to cheer for the guy. Yeah, it's funny, man. We It's funny that we see players, hockey players, go about their business, and it's really fun to, at least as if you're a fan, it's weird to say fun, but we see a lot of guys 
on online or or in the stands, they'll dump on a guy who's not going through something, who's going through something clearly, and their their play is not up to snuff. And it's easy to just say, well, this guy sucks. You never know what a guy's really going through. And, you know, there are guys who dog it, and there are guys who just aren't playing well for whatever reason. But for a guy like Oliver Shillington, could you imagine if he tried to play through whatever he might be playing through? I don't know what it is specifically, but could you imagine what that would be like if if the personal issues that are out there are out there and he tried to play through this, how people would be feeling about him? I think the fact that he was able to take that time off for himself and just try to get right, I I, I think that's really brave of him. Uh, and I think that's really cool that he was able to take that time. And, and I don't wish whatever he may have gone through on anybody, whatever it may be. But I, I just think that for a guy like Shillington to take that time for himself, do whatever he needs to do to get himself right and get to a point where he's able to skate and he's able to take part in practices and do a conditioning loan at the AHL level. Uh, it's hard for me to, I, my, I'm not made of stone. I think that's really cool. I think that's, that's a that's a that's a journey and whenever he's ready to share more parts of that journey if he's willing to do that we'll be ready for it but i i think for him like he's a very easy story to root for in this market and you know we'll have to wait and see with with him tonight and going forward but yeah i i i think that a lot of i i could i'm expecting a lot of fans to be really happy for him tonight yeah, and then maybe the the weather uh, too bad. What could have been a a really big uh, crowd at the Saddle Dome to go and see him? I think a lot of people would have taken that opportunity. It is a seven o'clock puck drop at the Saddle Dome tonight. If you are interested in braving the weather to head out to the dome, we are expecting to see Oliver Shillington uh, back in the AHL lineup with the Calgary Wranglers tonight. He's been practicing on a pairing with Colton Pullman. Uh, not. 100% confirmed, but it sure sounds like he's going to be in the lineup tonight, and uh, that would be a great story. We do have the Wranglers game for you on the radio Friday night uh, against Ontario as well, so if you want to listen in, maybe we'll see Oliver. We're not sure if we're going to go back-to-back with him yet, but regardless, great to see him back in the lineup, and we're expecting him uh, in the first time in a Wranglers jersey, at least, this evening at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And I wanted to pass this text along that came in at 960 and it's a really good point, you know, going back to as I was telling you, Julian, about how Oliver was this up and down sort of unknown presence in Calgary for a little while. This text comes in and says, even remember the Kraken passing on Shillington in the expansion draft, which never would have happened had he had his, you know, breakout season a year before because he would have been like a 24-year-old puck-moving offensive defenseman which no chance a new franchise like the Seattle Kraken would have passed up on, but given the wow. uh, but you know given the fact that he was still sort of this mystery to the Calgary Flames and their organization, Julian, they went the direction they did and they selected former captain Mark Giordano. Like, imagine thinking that now and being like, "Wow, they they passed up on Oliver Shillington." That would never would have happened if it if his breakout season came a year sooner. And could you imagine if that breakout season worked out with 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 the Kraken just as they were starting to get better? Like it just that's wild to me. I, I, my brain obviously was wrapped up in whatever pick the Kraken were going to make off the Montreal Canadiens. So hearing that they essentially did not take Shilton, they take Marcher Dano, which it goes the way that it goes. But wow, imagine what life would have been like for the Kraken if they had Shillington, even if he was just a second pairing or a third pairing guy, and he puts up the numbers he puts up 
2021-2022, how much better does that defense core look for them? Exactly. Having guys like Vince Dunn at the back line, Jamie Alexiak has been reliable for them. Like, like, what do you do? (laughs) It's it's a... It's a really interesting conversation to look back on, and expansion drafts will be like that for a couple of years. And if the NHL really, you know, does have dreams of expanding even further, it'll be one that we continue to have. But yeah, the Flames, you know, with an interesting that texture points out a, a great thing that you know Oliver was a guy that you wouldn't have expected right now would have been passed up on an expansion draft, but uh, sure was. So fingers crossed for Oliver's debut tonight, and uh, once he gets out on the ice, it'll be fun to have these conversations, Julian, about where. He potentially fits with the Flames and what he could bring uh, to the big club. But for tonight, they're just uh, looking forward to him getting in the lineup for the Wranglers. They've got a game of their own to focus on against the Arizona Coyotes. Kind of a continuation of a road trip. I don't know if a one-game homestand even really counts as getting away from the road trip, but it's the dad's trip. Uh, All the dads and mentors for these guys are out on the road. And uh, a big game tonight, Julian, for a, a Flames team that, Still has playoff aspirations in that locker room, as you would assume. They're back to 500. They're 18, 8, and 5. 18, 18, and 5, excuse me, as we talked today. And technically, they sit one point behind the Arizona Coyotes as they continue to battle for a wild card spot in the West. This could be a big one tonight for the group. I, I, I hope more people across the NHL start paying attention to that Western wild card race because if you, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, Edmonton and Seattle are tied at 43 points uh, with uh, for that second wildcard spot. And I know Edmonton has a bunch of games in hand, but Arizona, St. Louis, Calgary, even Minnesota, I know they're three points behind the Flames, and they're going through a bit of a tough time right now after, after such a good start with John Hines. But it is really close in that race for for a wildcard spot in the West. And even if you want to look at points percentage, yes, the, the Oilers have a higher points percentage than the Predators who have more points, but that's just how it shakes out. But those two teams have wildcard spots. And then you have the Flames just in the middle of that. The, the, it, it's really fascinating to see this team with the assets that they have that they could be selling at the deadline, but they still have a chance at this playoff spot. It, and they're they're right in the middle of it, really. And... I'm really curious to see how it'll shake out with them tonight, how it'll shake out against Vegas. Is this going to be a team that continues to play up to competition, play down to competition, and still find itself fighting for a playoff spot? If they find themselves in a similar position about two months from now, what does this team do? But in the meantime, like you're not going to tell those guys, like, hey, man, start tanking for, for a better <laughs> draft position and all that, right? Like, you yeah. can't do it. They obviously want to play for that playoff spot. And and I can go back to as, as far back as, what, like a week, two weeks ago when Ryan Huska said, you know what, every game from here on out is important. This team is firmly in a playoff race. But at the same time, like, is it, it – we could debate the merits as much as we want until the trade deadline, but is it is it really worth it? Are they truly going to be able to stick it out against a team like an Edmonton who has won eight in a row? They've risen from the dead. The Seattle Kraken, who have won seven in a row. The Coyotes, who we're going to get into more, but that's a team that, you know, maybe this is the year they get over that hump and they make the playoffs. Where are the Blues at in all of this? The Minnesota Wild, again, they have that good start under John Hines, but they've fallen back, but maybe they still find another gear. Like, it's. I hope more people start to pay attention to that race because, it seems like it could be really exciting. And by the way, the Los Angeles Kings, 47 points. They only have two more points up than Nashville, four more points up than Edmonton. They could easily fall into this wild card race themselves 
And if you're the Calgary Flames, yeah. And if you're the Calgary Flames, like, you're sure you're in that locker room. You're saying you're right there. There's an opportunity for you to get points. You can put yourself in a playoff position. But it's so interesting to see fans, people outside of this team, look at where they are and be like, for the love of God, go the other way. It is so (laughs) fascinating in this market. It is funny because you and me and observers and fans, we can have that conversation about rebuilding or retooling and what you're going to do with certain players. That's for us to have. But you're so right, Julian. The conversation in the locker room isn't about any of that. They're going out for two points every single night. Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund, they're not interested in in the draft position. They're trying to win games, and they're trying to, you know, come out with the best result as possible. When you look at the standings today, and you, you know, yes, there's teams above them, and there's win percentage, and you, you mentioned all of that. But in reality, and for any team, any fan of this team that says push for a playoff spot, it's hard not to look at the argument and say, technically, they're only two points out, right? Like, it's it's hard to right. ignore that. But then there's the the other side of the coin that we all talk about and the fact that it's hard to climb over teams. Win percentage between where you are and where those other teams are is completely different. So, yes, for you and me and for others to have the conversation is, is totally normal. But for, for the, the group and for the team, they're not having this conversation. That's not the mindset for them heading into this game against Arizona. Could you imagine, and I, I mean you and other reporters, imagine going into the Flames locker room, Jacob Markstrom's talking, and you have to ask him a question about selling. How does that go? Uh, not well. No. Not well <laughs> at all. Especially with Jacob Markstrom. No, not with no. Jacob Markstrom. No. What? <laughs> those, those eyes Dude. would be staring through you, and they already do on the best of nights. I would... I Dude. would but... I'd be waiting for somebody else. I'd be like, that. I'd be like Julian or Eric or Ryan or Salam or Pike. Somebody, Aaron please, or- please, yeah, Aaron, come on, let's go. <laughs> be the man. Be the man. You're the man. You're the man. Ask the question for us, right? But no, Dude, it just I- that's not their mentality, right? No, but at the same time, it, it you can't help but think of of what these players' futures will be like. I'm still thinking about this, and I wrote about it earlier this week. Noah Hannafin gets himself a three point game against the Ottawa Senators. And I get it. You know, some of the assists were a little bit fortunate, but he still got those assists and he got himself a goal. And any other night you're looking at Noah Hannafin and you're thinking, wow, he's so he's, he's shown value to this team. You plug him into the lineup. He's a second pairing guy with Tanev, but he could also be a first pairing guy with Rasmus Anderson. You need that type of guy on your team. But then you see the reactions from people and it's like, man, his trade value is going up, my man. Like, you got to trade him now. Like, that's what you got to do. It's it's really interesting. And, and I think a lot of fans, especially now, I don't know how it's been in the past, but they, I think a lot of fans, they really feel like this is the moment for them, for this team to pick a direction in that fork in the road. And a lot of them want them to go a particular direction. And we have to see how this plays out. And if they win... Tonight over Arizona, they, if if they put themselves in the thick of that wild card race, it's going to be a lot of mixed feelings, I think, from people in this market. Yeah, that's to add to the already mixed feelings from a ton of people uh, in the market. Let's get set for a game day. Let's get you the latest from Arizona. Let's check in with the head coach, Ryan Huska. He just finished speaking to the media a few moments ago in Arizona following morning skate for his group as they get set to take on the Arizona Coyotes later tonight. Been good. I, they, I think they had a really nice night last, last night together. Um, a little hurricane coming through yeah, here. Um, and today, I love today because we invite them in the room for our morning meetings. And when you look at some of the dads' faces, 
they're more intense and into the video that we show our players than sometimes the players are. So it's neat really to see them and how they interact with each other. It's kind of you know fun to be able to see sort of maybe you know the other side of it. Obviously they're watching the games, they talk to the players, but to see just sort of you know that side of it and, and what the demands are uh, as a player, what the mentality is. Yeah, and I I think they know because they've been driving their kids around forever. Um, sure. They used to go from the early mornings to now when. We fly, and I know this is a short trip tonight for us, but you, you get into your hotel midnights and just after midnight. Um, so I, I, th I think they do appreciate what their boys go through on a daily basis and, and how they have to ready their bodies and get prepared to play um, at the top or highest level the next night. So I, I think there is a great appreciation when dads get to see it. How much do you glean from talking to the dads over the last little while? Just you must hear so many great stories and also so many insights on how their kid got to where they are. Yeah, um, you know, for me, it's more about uh, I do a lot of watching when it comes to them and see how they interact with their dads. Um, you know, the the Dennis's or the Gilberts. Uh, I, I just find it's it's so interesting that they all have the same personalities and they almost look the same. Take the years away, they, some of them could be twins. So I, I find it really neat to watch how they interact with their dads and, and how proud they are. Like they almost pull them along to different spots. So it's a really neat thing. Yeah. Obviously still a couple of big uh, games on this on this road trip as well. What about uh, you know the mentality and, and where you have to you know see your guys be at to have success here? We need to build on um, our last game. I thought we did a lot of things well against uh, Ottawa and tonight it's a, a similar team in, in a lot of ways that we're going to see. They have a really skilled forward group that um, we have to do a good job against and, and really work to kind of take away the room or the space they have on the ice because you give them too much. They're, they're a dangerous group, so we have to make sure we're ready for that. And they've had some success here as of late as well. I mean, what about maybe just sort of the confidence of the team that you're playing and just sort of, you know, things you have to be aware of, uh, in addition to what you just mentioned? Uh, well, it's it's a good team, and they're beating good teams. So yeah. I just I, I feel like we need to be ready to be at our best here tonight. There you go. That's the head coach, Ryan Huska, speaking on Thursday morning in Arizona. His team getting set to take on the Arizona Coyotes again. 7 o'clock puck drop, 6 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg. He'll get you set for the Flames and the Coyotes. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson at Flames Hockey right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan coming up in a little bit. We will also uh, get a look at the Flames opposition with Remy Masti. He's going to join us in hour two to take a look, uh, closer look at the Arizona Coyotes who are right in the middle of this playoff race as well. But we're going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side, switching our focus over to football Wild Card Weekend begins on Saturday. The NFL playoffs have a ton of storylines to dive into, and we'll do so with our next guest. Adnan Verk's going to join us our Thursday regular, kicking off uh, the next segment when we come back here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Yes, it's Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you on this Thursday. It is a Calgary Flames game day, also a Calgary Wranglers game day. Where we're expecting Oliver Shillington to be in the lineup 7 o'clock at the Scotiabank Saddle against the Ontario Rain. Tickets still available if you want to check that one out at calgarywranglers.com. Of course, we'll be focused in here on the Flames and the Coyotes as the afternoon goes on. But right now, we're going to switch the focus over to football. Wild Card Weekend gets going on Saturday. And we've had plenty of storylines off the field to get to before the playoffs have even begun in the NFL. And uh, perfect time to chat with our Thursday regular about all of that and more. You know him, you love him from MLB Network, NHL Network, and of course the Cinephile Podcast. Uh, great to be joined by Adnan Verk this afternoon. AV, how are you, pal? 
I'm doing great. Logo, Julian, a pleasure as always. You know, I'm not sure you love them, but I appreciate the intro nonetheless <laughs> and excited for the football this weekend, pals. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we even get there, we got to talk about uh, the coaching carousel taking an interesting turn in Seattle and New England. Which one caught you off guard more, uh, Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick? Oh, Pete Carroll, without question. You know, Belichick, we were hearing a little bit of stuff about. And I said, okay, you know, maybe this is it for New England. Robert Kraft kind of wants to have his team back. Pat Bowen kind of said that about Dan Reeves with Denver when that happened. So, you know, like you get the fact that the owner kind of wants his team back. And obviously, Belichick, incredible job. I mean, six Pro Bowl, six Pro Bowl, excuse me. I mean, that doesn't happen with a Belichick, period. But Pete Carroll, I was stunned. I mean, listen, the last time I was paying attention to the Seahawks is when they beat my beloved Eagles. Uh, we never mm. beat Pete Carroll and the Seahawks in Seattle, ever. So, when Drew Locke turned into Joe Montana in the final two minutes, I was very dismayed, but I was not surprised because Carroll always gets his guys motivated and ready to go, and Geno Smith has been a good story and all the rest of it. So to see him out, I, I was stunned. I was actually on the phone talking to my agent of all people and something else. I mean, he's in the middle of the conversation, wow, Pete Carroll out. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, he's gone. I'm like, jeez. And then, and then I read the story saying he's an advisor in some role. I, I was surprised by that, too. I would think, I mean, he looks great for his age. He's like my man, Harold Reynolds. He's like 63 and looks like he's 53. So I, I always feel like Pete Carroll's got plenty more to, to coach and still to do. But if he wants to be an advisor for now before he finds another job, I mean, shoot. Well, I know we're going to talk about my Eagles in the box. If, if Sirianni flames out and the Eagles play badly, we can get rid of Nick and upgrade with Carroll or Belichick. I'll take either guy if they want to come to Philly. Well, I was going to ask you, i got to wonder how many teams out there you know, even teams maybe who are, you know, maybe kind of iffy on their guy, let alone the seven teams now, that need a new head coach, I wonder how many organizations go, hey, man, if we have a chance to get a Pete Carroll or a Bill Belichick, maybe we weren't planning on changing coaches, but maybe we at least give these guys a call and see if they're not interested in coming to Chicago or one of these, you know what I mean, one of these places that oh, yeah. the, the coaching isn't on solid ground, and you go, hey, Bill, I got you a first overall pick and another top 10 pick in Chicago. Come do with it yeah. as you please. Yeah, Chicago's one that makes absolute sense because you're like, as you said, they're in prime position to be a really good team. And for Belichick and Carroll, they're not going to take teams that are going to be rebounding, right? They want to be with a team that's primed to win. And now with Chicago, as you said, they're in such a good position. You know, if you think Fields is the quarterback of the future, you're going to get those two top five picks and, and translate those into, you know, stud offensive or defensive lineman or whatever it may be. You know, me and my old friend Michael Lombardi always think you get a build through that strength in the draft. But, yeah, I, I would think, I mean, there's no better coach than Bill Belichick, period. So even at 64, you know, they had one bad year, and it seems like Belichick, the GM, let down Belichick, the coach. And that happens. You know, it seems you evaluate the guys the wrong way or, you know, voice gets tiresome after a while. Like, it happens. It's an incredible run. But I, I, don't, I don't know how many more coaches are better than Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. It's got to be on one hand. I, I, I think a lot of teams right now, you're right, are having that conversation going, hey, let's at least place a call and see if Bill or Pete is interested. Yeah, it just it's... Uh, here's my thing, Matt. No, go oh, for it. Go ahead. Sorry, about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. All good. I I was just gonna say, like, like with Bill Belichick, man, I can't help but see him in a Chargers hoodie going forward. There's the Justin Herbert connection with those two. Maybe that's the next quarterback prodigy he needs to work with. We saw how he was struggling in New England with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. I don't even think Malik Cunningham got much of a chance in that offense. But like. The Chargers makes a lot of sense to me. I kind of don't want him to go to the Raiders because I liked what Antonio Pierce has been able to do there. But you're right. Like, you know, what if there's a team out there that could use a head coach and Bill Belichick is available and you don't take that strike? Like, I don't know. I I think Chargers make sense, but I would love to know your opinion. 
Chargers definitely makes sense. I mean, Herbert obviously because you got you got your quarterback there ready to go. We know Logan would lead the lead the cheers there. And it's interesting about the Raiders because you're right. AP, old colleague at ESPN, great guy. I remember talking with him on ESPN Radio. Was always really smart and obviously cares a lot about defense. Done a nice job. But again, I'm all about proven quantity. And you know, in the case of Belichick and Pete, it's not like Belichick had like one really lousy year. Like almost every year, you figure the Patriots are in the mix, and more often than not, they win the division. You know, if it was like a two or three year slide. And he was making like particularly bad decisions. Like I get that, but like I'm already surprised he's done in New England. Like I would have thought he still had one more year to at least break the record, right? Break Don Shula's wins record. Like I, I that's yeah. why I'm glad Logan asked the question that way because it's, it's not like he was a fed complete. He was done. I was everyone's like, oh, Bell's is probably done. I'm like, eh, like I don't think he should be. The word comes in, and you go, okay, I guess that was a rumor, but I didn't think that should be the case. I figured he'd get one more year just to break Shula's record, but then the Pete thing blew it out of the water, and. Uh, and of course, Nick Saban retired from Alabama too. It was a crazy day for legendary yeah. coaches. Yeah, just uh, with Nick Saban being gone too, I have to admit, like that was. I mean, I wonder how much of that has to do with. Did you think? What do you think Nick Saban would want to leave Alabama? Do you think it has to do with the fact that players can kind of do what they want through the transfer portal? portal the 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 playoff system is going to change next year. Maybe do you think you know he's up there in age and. Maybe it really was just time for him to call it quits. Yeah, I think it's an age thing. Because, you know, again, Saban, this isn't a guy who we saw any decline. I mean, he even said that this was one of his most fun years ever in coaching. Like, they weren't expected to do a ton, and then were able to really step up. And, I mean, the way they beat Georgia was, was unbelievable. So I think that, you know, I think Nick probably feels in some ways, hey, I went out on a strong note. Maybe not, not necessarily going out as a winner because they lost to Michigan, but that was still a hard-fought game. We got to the playoff. I've done incredible things. Like He's the greatest college football coach of all time, just as, as Bill's probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. So I do think you get to a point that there's nothing else left to prove. You know, what else, what other world can I conquer? And, and I also think, by the way, Georgia's kind of usurped them in some ways. Like, Alabama will always be Alabama, but obviously Georgia was the number one team. I mean, the last few years, his former disciple, Kirby Smart, done an amazing job with that program. So Alabama wasn't at the top anymore. They're still in the mix to be at the top. But, again, Nick's in his 60s and has always spoke glowingly of his wife, Terry, and he seems like he wants to spend some time with his wife. So uh, these guys generally never leave, so that's what's always surprising. Like, I wouldn't say it's, this is it for him, but I, I think it's it for now. Like, you might get you might get cajoled out of it. Like, a, a Steve Spurrier takes, like, a South Carolina job to see what he's still got in a couple of years when retirement becomes unnecessary. But for now, I, I think he's going to enjoy retirement and, I tell you guys, one of the great thrills when I covered college football for four years at ESPN was, was going to Tuscaloosa. Now, granted, it wasn't like them versus LSU in November. It was a spring football game, but I still was like, dude, there's 70,000 here for the equivalent of a spring training game. And just talking to Nick and seeing his aura and his authority, like, I wouldn't say it was super engaging, but he was polite. He was respectful. Um, he was confident. He knew what he was saying. And uh, he wasn't like a big guy. He's like my height. He's like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but very... Um, Certainly a presence when you were around him. And uh, somebody wanted to talk golf with Joey Galloway and Kirk Herbstreit. I know nothing about golf. So I remember just sitting there going, like, all right, these guys are enjoying their conversation about their slices and their short game. Okay, let's talk football, coach. And away we went. Uh, before wow, we... a sports guy who knows nothing about golf. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. When, when I was at the score, it's still a great laugh to Tim McAuliffe and Sixero and Cabby, all my old buddies, because we used to do stuff with Global. Like, we do, like, hits on Sportsline and stuff. So, Basically, yeah. just luck of the draw, Global had to send someone to the Masters. And so Greg Sansoni sent me. And those guys are, like, falling over laughing. Like, Burke doesn't know anything about golf. He, he, like, 
openly is contemptuous of golf. And, and I blame that, by the way. Logan will appreciate this. <laughs> it's before his time. But George Carlin, the great comedian, had an epic rant against golf in 1992 <laughs> on his famous, which I had the cassette tape called Jammin' in New York. And he just went like 15 minutes, he just obliterated golf. His essential point was it's a meaningless game. You hit a ball, you run after a ball. It's, you know, dedicated towards old white men who are out of shape who don't want to spend time with their families. You know, if you got rid of all of this, you could have like the homeless people living there. Like, it's, it's an incredible rant. And I was like, yeah, he's in. I'm never going to golf. I'm with George Carlin. So, uh, because of that, I just never got into it. But then I had to go to the Masters, and I'm not kidding, fellas. I know nothing. So I had to read the paper every morning. Okay, double bogey. Oh, that means if it's four is par, that's a six. Okay, cool. Oh, and somehow no. We got through it. I didn't well, think but, it'd be that bad. <laughs> no. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe slight hyperbole. But I'll say this. <laughs> Mike, Weir, Mike, Mike Weir, I was not crazy about. I, you know, Normally, I'm always pro-Canadian, but my, I have a few enduring memories of the Masters. One, and it's true, the chicken sandwiches are $2.00. And like the cheese and pimento sandwiches are a dollar fifty. Now this was in two thousand eight, yeah. which was incredible to me. A dollar fifty for a sandwich. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget interviewing Tiger Woods. Pretty scandalous. It was still pretty cool. Just jacked. I couldn't believe how muscular he was. Talking to him, he was good. But Mike Queer was terrible. I can't remember what question I asked, and it wasn't a good question because I wasn't a golf guy, so I got exposed somehow. But he said something mocking me, and I was like, you know what? I am like the most pro-Canadian guy ever. But from now on. I'm cheering against Mike Weir. So I was always in favor of Stephen Ames, Calgary residents. We'd always see, wasn't Canadian, but Calgary residents, Stephen Ames versus Mike Weir. To this day, I hold a grudge against Mike Weir. Bright Grove, Ontario. Jeez. Just interviewed Mike <laughs> in the summer at a Calgary golf event. He was, he was nice enough to me, but that's, uh, that's different strokes for different folks. Uh, <laughs> before we uh, go on to the matchups this weekend, uh, I did want to ask you quickly, Virk, does Vrabel to the Patriots now make a ton of sense? It does, man. Like, you, you listen, a lot of these things happen. You know, we get to be of a certain age that you remember the guy as a player and other people don't even remember him, right? Like, you're 25, you go, wait, he played for them? I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, he was a key part of the Patriots and their system and is a great linebacker. And, yeah, I think that, you know, oftentimes when you're looking at these coaches, like a friend of mine was saying to me, because execs and GMs, like, they just get recycled. Like, they go to different places. Like, you never just have, like, a one-stop coach. It just never happens. Or you're the coach there forever, like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. So, I think Vrabel, listen, he clearly had success with the Titans, and then they bottomed out. They would either have a great offense or no defense or the other way around. So, yeah, I think New England makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure he's a good relationship with Robert Kraft, and he wants to do it. And uh, who knows? Maybe it's like a wild card like Teddy Bruschi, <laughs> ESPN <laughs> colleague. But, yeah, they'll, 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 they'll definitely get a Patriot in there. That just, that just makes too much sense. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend's matchups, I don't know if those, you know, fun commercials are, you know, about the NFL script writing are, are fake or not, but – uh, you could convince me they were real based on the storylines heading into this weekend. I mean, there's a ton. I know Deshaun Watson's not playing, but the Cleveland-Houston narrative is an interesting one. Tyreek's finally back in KC, but the Dolphins are banged up. You've got Stafford going back to Detroit. You've got McCarthy versus his old team. Like, Where do you even come out on which one of these is is the most eye-grabbing and most attention-seeking for you, Virk, because there's a ton of fun storylines heading into this weekend. Yeah, I mean, my, my first fear, because I'm going to be in L.A. this weekend for the Critics' Choice Awards. As you know, Logan, through my work with Cinephile, I'm one of 600 members of the Critics' Choice Association. So the really cool thing is the Golden Globes are, of course, on Sunday. The Oscars are the biggest dog of them all. But the Critics' Choice Awards is a pretty cool thing. So I haven't been in five years, and I said, you know, I'd like to go, and the main reason is because Killers of the Flower Moon is nominated, so who knows if Marty's there or De Niro or my boy GMI for the holdovers are run into them. This goes <laughs> back to your question because my first thought then was, oh, my God, it's NFL Walker weekend. This is the weekend where you don't want to have anything to do, right? Just get, get your chores done, 
give the iPads to the kids. Let me just watch football. So my first fear was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like on the red carpet and like trying to talk to Bradley Cooper, a fellow Eagles fan. Like, hey, can we get an update on the score here? So thrilled. Eagles Bucks first and foremost is on Monday night. So I'm taking the red eye back Sunday night. I'll be parked in front of my television, ready to see. And by the way, <laughs> this is why I know nothing about gambling. I was talking to our boy Cabby, and I said, you know, God, we're playing terrible. It'll probably be Bucks minus one and a half. I said, no way, because you guys will be favored. I'm like, what? We're in a one in five slot right now. We can't beat the Giants. We can't beat the Cardinals. He's a game of the Bucks went nine and eight in a lousy division, and it's Baker Mayfield. Like, dude, at the other day, you have Jalen Hurts, you have AJ Brown. Like, you guys are good. So, Eagles minus three. I don't think it makes any sense, but what the hell? We'll take it. Hopefully, we win. But for those matchups, I'm already looking at this weekend in LA, looking at the difference in three hours and time zone. I'm like, where am I going to be at this time and that time? So, I was already texting Ben Lines. I said, we got to find a hotel that has Peacock at 5 o'clock local on Saturday so we can watch this game. Because I, I really want to watch Mahomes and the Dolphins. And the best game for me is that Rams-Lions game. Because if there's an upset about to happen, like a friend of mine said, do you think that you could have all NFC teams upset? I said, no. Because Dallas, I think, is too good at home. As much as I would love to see it. Clearly, I would go bananas if the Cowboys lost. But I think the Eagles, Boxville, the Eagles are favored. And... You know, Rams-Lions, you know, Lions are favored at home. But, man, the way Stafford's been playing, he's a pro bowler again. McVay's a great coach. They've won a Super Bowl. Aaron Donald, blah, blah, blah. I think that if I just had one game to watch this weekend, I'd be locked into Rams-Lions myself. I'll add to, to – Logan mentioned some really intriguing matchups. Uh, the Browns-Texans angle with Deshaun Watson, yes, Tyreek Hill and all that. Uh, Eagles-Buccaneers, we know you're very much into it because of the Eagles. You didn't mention Steelers-Bills. Right. And just as you were talking now, uh, lead NFL insider for uh, NFL and CBS, Jonathan Jones, just put up a tweet. Multiple sources tell me there's no truth to the rumor of Steelers-Bills wildcard playoff game being moved to Cleveland during weather uh, because of the weather in western New York. So even though, I mean, wow. they might really stay there, but look, hey, if there's, we've seen out east, they've been dealing with some snow, and the Bills do get to host that yeah. playoff game. I'm intrigued with that matchup, too, with how the Bills have just kind of gone through this up-and-down season. They get the win over Miami at the end of the year, but they get this Steelers team with Mike Tomlin and his guys. What do you think about that matchup? So I, I'm not asking only because I think the Bills are going to win. Like I, I, just, I don't think the Steelers that seriously. I think Tomlin's a hell of a coach. I think it's amazing that he's had this incredible streak of always 500 and above, but I don't think they can win in Buffalo, period. And the whole idea of moving the game, like I, I mean, unless the weather was really that bad, but to me that, that's part of the whole charm of playing those games. That's why if you're Buffalo, you want home field because of the fact it's going to be nasty weather and, and you're the kind of team that can deal in those conditions because you're used to it. So um, I hope the game does indeed happen in western New York and as always, because of my ties to Southern Ontario, I'm cheering for the Bills. And I think Allen's a heck of a quarterback. I think he's super talented. I think he'll, you know, he's prone to turnovers, obviously, which does make things a little bit interesting. But, you know, Buffalo were having such a, a wonky season. Certainly stepped up late when they had to. And that was a critical win against Miami because there was a chance going to that final Sunday that even missed the playoffs. So they're kind of one of those trendy teams. You go, hey, if it's not Baltimore, who's the team that could surprise? And I certainly think the Bills could be as, as the number two seed. So. I look forward to it. I'm just not as Jones and forth, though, because I think that they'll, they'll take care of business against the Steelers. I'd be pretty shocked if Pittsburgh can pull off the win. Yep. Um, but uh, I, honestly, just looking look at these matchups for me, like that Rams-Lions game, like just seeing yeah. Matthew Stafford going up against this Lions team, which I'll tell you what, man, like I'm really excited to see that the Lions are doing well, and I'm excited to see them get that playoff game. I think mm -hmm. the Lions win that matchup. I'm really excited about that matchup. 
Yeah, I think so too, because, you know, it, it's easy to talk yourself into a Rams win because of what I mentioned, Stafford and Donald McVay, great coach, et cetera. But I'm like, Detroit is the better team. Like, we've, we've gotten past the point of saying it's a nice fluke, it's a nice stream. Like, no, these guys won the division, period. Like, they, they went through all the teams they needed to, and they stepped up big, and, and full credit to Dan Campbell, what he's done, just basically changing the culture of that entire organization. And, again, Jared Goff's not a guy that I've been a believer in necessarily, but he certainly has played mm-hmm. well this year, and, and their defense is, has really stepped up when necessary. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be a good game. I do think Detroit should win. And, you know, it's one thing to have a team that finally wins the division after so many years. Like, we're talking 91, right? NFC North for, for the Lions to be champions. To actually win a playoff game in that city, like, it would be bananas. And, again, if I don't have a dog in the race, I generally just like to see good stories. Like, going back to the World Series, people might laugh and go, Rangers, D-backs, who cares? And I'm like, I get it. Everyone wants Yankees, Dodgers, especially if you're a Fox executive. But Texas won their first ever World Series. Like, to me, if you're a 70-year-old man who loves the Rangers, you finally get to see them win a World Series. That's cool. And Arizona hadn't been there in 20-plus years. So for Detroit and their long-suffering fan base, you know, never won a Super Bowl. I, I picture literally 70-year-old Detroit Lions fans living in Auburn Hills going, oh, my God, this is the year. And uh, if it's not the Eagles, I hope it's Detroit. I think it'd be a really cool story. And uh, then Verk on with us here on uh, Sportsnet 960. This is Sportsnet Today. I'm Julian McKenzie alongside uh, Logan Gordon. We got to get to some movie pop culture stuff with you. I always like uh, hearing you answer those questions on 960. You have the Cinephile podcast as well. I would love to know your thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you've tweeted about it, but uh, over the Golden Globes that happened over the weekend, obviously there are some of the movies that, and, and projects that won awards. Uh, but Joe Coy, uh, the host of that show, did not have that great of a time, Ooh. it seemed. Uh, hosting it what did you think of that it was pretty rough man and listen the three of us know as hosts it's not as easy as everyone thinks it's a harder job than you realize especially when he only had 11 days notice to do the job but you also have to be honest mm-hmm. and say he was terrible i mean I, I don't know his work and i'm aware of the fact he does stand up and all the rest of it but from the jump he just looked a little too nervous and a little too excitable and here's the big thing you, you gotta have some friends in the audience so if we were doing a Pat Steinberg roast and like I'm the host master, <laughs> even if my jokes aren't good, <laughs> even if my jokes aren't good, Logan's still going to laugh, right? Like, yeah. like Will Nault is still going to laugh when he shows up. Like if, if we're friends, you'll give me a courtesy laugh, especially if you had a couple of Bud Lights in you. And by the way, the Globes, they're Edit. drinking, so they're a little bit loose anyways. So the point is, if Jimmy Kimmel's joke bombs, they go, ah, oh, Jimmy Kimmel, it's fine, it's no big deal. They were kind of, and especially because his humor was alienating them. They were making fun of them. So if you're going to yeah. make fun of me, it better be funny. And if it's not funny, then I don't like this guy. So, like, when he's making a pretty <laughs> innocuous joke at Taylor Swift, the way she was drinking that and just staring at him, like, oh, my God, this is not good. And by the way, my boy De Niro played, played along. That joke wasn't that funny. Like, oh, you're the greatest act ever. How'd you get a pregnant 80? But he gave, like, a big belly laugh. Like, he'll play along. I'm like, all right. But then, like, his joke at Marty was terrible. But Killers of the Fire Moon and Appropriating Culture, like, this is just bad jokes. And particularly what I didn't like is when he blamed his writers. Like, you can never do that. You can, like, he goes, oh, yep. the, writer, the writers are some. I wrote those. Like, dude, you can't do that. Like, even if it's a joke, it just – it looks like you're being a bad teammate. And um, it, it was awful. And I think he probably realizes that. I think I saw some stories afterwards. Like, you know when you're bombing. We all know when you have a good show. We all know when you have a bad show. And that was – clearly a mess but uh he didn't help himself with his delivery and the way the jokes are being made and it makes you think of ricky gervais because gervais the first time hosted obviously crushed everyone and they didn't didn't know what to do right they were just shocked but people at home loved it they're losing their mind so the second year they're more prepared for it and by the third year if you weren't insulted you were offended right it's like don rickles (laughs) like you want to get made fun of that's why you sit in the front row so he was trying to do ricky gervais's style of comedy but it, it clearly fell flat like if you don't 
if you don't really know how to do that well, then you better just be like kind of nice guy and play it like Jimmy Fallon and just, you know, crack jokes and be gentle about it. Because if you're, you're going to get out there with the scalpel, you better be able to hit. And he was not hitting and he was missing badly and they were, they were kind of letting him have it. With respect to our, our good friend, uh, Patrick Steinberg, uh, if you were to do a roast and you somehow bombed on roasting Steinberg, that's on you. Dude is, is an easy target. Shout out, Steinberg. That's why I went immediately, that's why I went immediately to Steinberg. Like the yeah. first thing that had to pop, who, who could we roast? I'm like, Pat Steinberg. Like, yeah. Steiny would be the guy. And by the way, would be a good enough sport he could take it. That's half the battle. If you're going to roast yes. somebody, you got to make yes. sure they got a sense of humor. Pack could obviously take it. A hundred percent. Last but not least, quickly, you you feel good about your Eagles? Have you been convinced by Lombardi and others that they're going to win on Monday or no? Well, when you texted me, A.J. Brown, I go, oh, my God. I go, Logan, no more. I'm at, a, I'm at my son's basketball clinic. Don't tell me anything. If you're like, you just got helped off the field. But it doesn't look too bad. I go, all, okay, all I imagined was Verk tossing his phone in the middle of his, his kid's uh, basketball game and just Gronk spiking yeah. it on the sidelines. Yeah, I got back to be able to watch the rest, the rest of the first quarter, and it was terrible. I'm like, oh, my God, 24 nothing. Please, let it end. And then Sirianni pulled everybody. But, again, health is of paramount importance. That's what my buddy Harold Reynolds was saying to me. He goes, hey, man, who cares what the seed is? Like, it's not like you guys are dominant at home. Like, Dallas had to be at home because they're much different away from home. But if you're a good team, you can win anywhere. So it doesn't matter that much that Philly's not at home and didn't get the two seeds. You know, just have one home game. Unless you get the bye, to me, that's what really matters. Like San Fran getting the bye is a big deal. Otherwise, if you're at home or on the road, who cares? Like As far as favorable matches, we're playing the Bucs. Again, with apologies to Steinberg, it's a 9-8 and team with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback. I know he's played with Moxie and Gumption, and they did win the division, but, but Philly should win this game. But here's the thing about Philly. If they win, it's always tight. Like They're not blowing anybody out, right? They barely beat the Giants a couple weeks ago. It's been a while since they had a blowout, right? Tight game against the Chiefs, tight game against the Bills, et cetera, when they win. And if they lose, they look really bad, especially in the second half. So I'm going to call an Eagles close win, but if they lose, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bloody. That's my prediction. Uh, best of luck to your Eagles on Monday. Verk, always appreciate the time. Great stuff as always, my man. Uh, enjoy the football this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Logan, Julian, I appreciate it. Pat Steinberg, Rose coming soon. Let's get it done. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Thanks, I'm there for that. Thanks, A.V. Thanks, guys. Take care. Adnan Verk joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Cinephile Podcast, his latest thoughts on the Golden Globes, uh, and of course, MLB Network, NHL Network. Uh, the guy's been there and done it all. We love having him on every Thursday here on Sportsnet Today. We will take a break, come back on the other side. We're kicking off hour two of the program, taking a look at the opposition for the Calgary Flames. It's the Arizona Coyotes. They're taking a step forward. Looks like they're going to be in the midst of this Western Conference playoff race. Uh, how are they doing it? What's the rookie year been like for Logan Cooley and others? We'll dive into that when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.